Chapter Fifteen of the Ordeal of Elizabeth by Anonymous. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. When Eleanor Van Antwerp had uttered the words, "If Bobby approves," she had given voice to a purely conventional formula. For when, in the eight years of their married life, had Bobby not approved of anything that she might chance to desire? She did not suppose for a moment that he would object to her asking Elizabeth Van Borst or any one under the sun to spend the winter. And when, the next morning, she paid him a visit in his den, where he was supposed to be transacting important business and proved to be enjoying a novel and a cigar, she was still, as she asked his permission to carry out her new plan, merely paying a graceful concession to the perfunctory and outworn theory of his supremacy. Bobby listened placidly, puffing at his cigar, his clear-cut, clean-shaven profile outlined against the window-pane, seeming absolutely impassive in the gray light of the autumn day. But when she concluded, and was waiting, all aglow with her own enthusiasm, for his answer, he turned his blue eyes toward her with an unusually thoughtful look. "'Well,' she said impatiently, as he still declined to commit himself, "'what do you think?' "'What do I think?' he repeated slowly. "'Of your asking Elizabeth Van Vorst to spend the winter?' "'Why, yes. I don't want to do it, dear, of course, unless you approve.' "'Well, then,' said Bobby calmly, "'if you ask my candid opinion, I think it would be a mistake. I—I'd rather you didn't, Eleanor. Really, I would.' "'Bobby!' Eleanor Van Antwerp stared at her husband in incredulous amazement. "'Bobby, you don't mean to say that you don't want me to ask her?' "'That's about it,' Bobby paused and reflectively knocked the ashes from his cigar. "'You see,' he went on argumentatively, "'this is the way I look at it. The girl is good-looking and all that, and it's very nice for you to see something of her up here. And I'm only too glad, for it's awfully sweet of you, darling, to come here on my account.' and have always been sorry that there wasn't some woman whom you could be friends with. But to ask a girl to spend the winter, and introduce her to people, is—is is a responsibility. And if you want to ask anyone, why, I'd rather it were some girl whom I know all about. That's all. It was not often that Bobby made such a long speech. His wife could hardly hear him to the end of it. But my dear Bobby! she exclaimed, breaking in upon his last words. "'You know all about Elizabeth Van Vorst.' "'Do I?' said Bobby quietly. "'I know that her father was a fool, and that her mother was—worse. "'Perhaps it would be better if I didn't know quite so much, Eleanor. "'For heaven's sake, don't harp on what happened centuries ago,' cried Mrs. Bobby, who had not been born in the neighborhood. "'I've always thought it a shame the way people here snub that poor girl.' people can't help what their fathers and mothers were like. If mine were fairly respectable, I'm sure it's no credit to me. None at all, Bobby assented. But still, you'd feel rather badly if they were not. It's a natural feeling, Eleanor. I'm not a crank about family, but on general principles I think a girl whose mother was a lady is more apt to behave herself than one whose mother was, well, quite the reverse. And on general principles, said Eleanor quickly, I agree with you. But I think Elizabeth Van Vorst the exception that proves the rule. Then I would rather, said Bobby tranquilly, that it were proved under someone else's auspices than yours. 
"'But that doesn't seem likely under the circumstances,' exclaimed his wife impatiently. "'Really, Bobby, you disappoint me. I never supposed you had such narrow-minded ideas. The girl has been very well brought up by those dear old aunts, and she is perfectly well-bred, and I'm sure there is plenty of good blood in the family as well as bad. The Schuler Van Vorsts are their cousins, and lots of old Dutch families. I dare say if we went back far enough we'd find ourselves related to them, too.' "'I dare say,' said Bobby resignedly, "'if we went back far enough we'd find ourselves related to a lot of queer people. But we don't, thank heaven, have to ask them to visit us.' "'Ah, well, I see you are hopelessly opposed to my plan,' said Mrs. Bobby, changing her tactics. "'And, of course, dear, as I told you before, I wouldn't think of asking anyone unless you approve.' "'Oh, I don't really care,' said Bobby, somewhat taken aback by this sudden surrender. "'Ask any one you please. You know I never interfere with your plans. Only don't blame me if they turn out badly. That's all.' "'Ah, uh, but they never do,' cried Mrs. Bobby. "'At least this one won't, I'm sure. I really have set my heart on it, Bobby,' she went on pleadingly. "'The truth is, though I don't often speak of it, going out has been a weariness, and that big house in town seems horribly empty since—since the baby died.' Her lip trembled, and she paused for a moment, while Bobby turned and stared fixedly out of a window at the brilliantly tinted leaves that a chill east wind was whirling inexorably to the ground. "'I thought,' she went on presently, in a voice that was not quite steady, "'that if I had someone with me to make the house seem a little brighter, some young girl whom I could take with me on the same old round that I'm so sick of, why, I could look at life through her eyes, and it would seem more worth while.' "'But of course, Bobby,' she concluded earnestly, "'I wouldn't for the world do anything to which you really object.' "'My dear Eleanor,' said Bobby, turning round at this and speaking for him quite solemnly, "'you know I don't object to anything in the world that could make you happy.' And so Mrs. Bobby had her own way. It was on Saturday that this conversation took place, and on Sunday afternoon they all walked over to the homestead, Mrs. Bobby, her husband, and Gerard. Elizabeth had been prepared for their coming by a whisper from Mrs. Bobby after church, and tea was all ready for them, with Miss Joanna's cakes, and a fire that was welcome after the cold outdoors, where the bleak east wind was still robbing the trees of their glory, and ushering in prematurely the dull grayness of November. Mrs. Bobby was not satisfied till she could draw Elizabeth to a distant sofa, and deliver the invitation which she felt, in her impetuous fashion, she could not withhold for another day. But though the first of Elizabeth's wishes was thus fulfilled, with a promptness most unusual outside of fairy tales, she did not accept with the enthusiasm that might have been expected. For a moment, indeed, her eyes sparkled, her cheeks glowed with delight, and then of a sudden the color faded, her eyes fell, she shrank back as if frightened by the idea. "'I—I—it's a—it's it's uh, it's awfully sweet of you, Mrs. Van Antwerp,' she said, low and hurriedly. "'But I—I I can't go. I wish I could, but I can't. Don't ask me.' It was almost as if she had said, "'Don't tempt me.' Poor Mrs. Bobby, whose intentions were so good, was exceedingly puzzled and not a little piqued. "'Oh, well, if you don't care to come,' she said coldly, in the great lady manner which she seldom assumed. "'Of course I shall not urge you. 
I shouldn't have mentioned the subject if I had not thought from what you said the other day that you were really anxious to come to town. So I was, so I am, for some reasons, but for others, dear Mrs. Van Antwerp, the girl pleaded, don't think me ungrateful. I should love to come beyond anything, but, but I can't. It doesn't seem right, she added more firmly. Doesn't seem right? repeated Mrs. Bobby, wondering. "'You mean on your aunt's account? "'You think it wouldn't be right to leave them?' "'Yes,' Elizabeth assented, "'as if relieved at being furnished with an excuse of some sort, however feeble. "'I don't think it would be right to leave them.' "'But that's nonsense,' cried Mrs. Bobby. "'They will miss you terribly, of course, "'but it will be no worse than when you were at school, "'and they would be the first to wish you to go, I'm sure.' "'Elizabeth was quite sure of it, too.' Mrs. Bobby, reading this conviction in her eyes, and all the more anxious for the success of her plan, now that it met with so many unexpected obstacles, went on to expatiate on the delights of a season in town, and all the possibilities that life can offer to one who has youth, talent, and beauty. Elizabeth listened eagerly with dilating eyes, which she only once withdrew from Mrs. Bobby's face to glance across to the other end of the room, where Gerard was leaning forward in an attitude of respectful interest as he talked to Miss Cornelia. For a moment Elizabeth's eyes rested, half-absently, perhaps, on the strong lines of his face, while the irrelevant thought passed through her mind. I wonder what he would think. Then quick as lightning the answer followed. I don't care, she said under her breath, and drew herself up with a little flash of defiance. She turned toward Mrs. Bobby. Do you really want me? she asked caressingly. "'Should I have asked you if I didn't?' laughed Mrs. Bobby, triumphant, as she saw that victory was hers. Elizabeth told the news to her aunts as soon as the visitors had left. Their delight was what she had expected. They were eager in approving her decision, and in assuring her that she should have all the pretty gowns that the occasion required, sustained by the conviction, which occurred simultaneously to the minds of both, that their old black silks, which they had foolishly thought of as shabby, would do admirably another winter. It would be the height of extravagance, as Miss Cornelia afterwards observed, to replace them. "'It's just what we have always wished for you,' she cried, her little curls all aflutter with joyful excitement. "'And so unexpected, quite like a fairy tale!' "'Yes,' Elizabeth assented. "'It's quite like a fairy tale. There's only one difference.' she added to herself as she left the room. From every well-regulated fairy tale that I ever heard of, the fairy godmother, coach and four, are just a little too late. End of chapter 15